All right, my friends. Well, welcome back to another episode of Trekology. Thank you so much for joining us. You're in for a real treat. We are talking time travel today. But before we get there, let me introduce myself for those of you who are new. I am Jeff, and with me always is Greg. How you doing, Greg? Good, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Before we go any further, it was just Halloween, so I, sadly, I don't know. To be honest, I'm not a huge Halloween person. I always struggle with the combination of dressing up and being in character. Like, I, 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 I'm just not, even though I have a background in theater, I just can't do the performance part of it. But Greg, you had a costume. I did. I did. So my son's big into Mary Poppins these days. Excellent. He So he chose our family theme of costumes. <laughs> he was Dick Van Dyke's character, uh, Bert, right. the chimney sweep. I was Mr. Banks. And then my wife, we were trying to decide whether she should be Winifred Banks mm-hmm. or she should be Mary Poppins, but... Eventually, we decided on Mary Poppins because the costume was much easier than Mrs. Banks. That's fair. But as you pointed out on Halloween, I looked a lot more like Charlie Chaplin with my curly (laughs) hair and my ill-fitting bowler hat than (laughs) Mr. Banks. But you had a kite. You had a kite. Because that's the other question. Thanks to your wife, because I didn't remember it at all. (laughs) That's true. And it wasn't a very nice kite. But nonetheless, it was actually a working working kite. So which Mr. Banks are you? Are the Mr. Banks at the beginning of the movie or at the end of the movie? Because if it's at the beginning of the movie, like you're kind of a party pooper here, man. You don't really fit in with the group. <laughs> so what you should have had is you, you should have had the hole in your bowler hat and then like the ripped up flower and everything that he gets from being like horribly accosted by these banker men. <laughs> uh, I don't think we talk enough about that. Like the brutality of that scene is just like, what is happening no. right now? Crazy <laughs> British people crazy british people yep. but your kids were very cute your youngest was an ewok yep that's true and gotta say she was the cutest little ewok i ever saw it's true especially because she likes age for it yeah and she likes to run around and so a running ewok is just and she's yeah the right height and the bummer was uh my kid's favorite song well, at least one of their favorite songs is the finale to Return of the Jedi, the original, like, horribly ridiculous Ewok yub-nub song. Um, which, by the way, if you ever have a free moment, Google search the lyrics to yub-nub. It is, I'm like, George, Lucas, what are you thinking about? Because it's just, one, there are (laughs) lyrics, and there are English translations, but you hear this song, and it's like, because it's literally, freedom, we got freedom, and we're, I don't know, and it's just like, oh my gosh, who thought this was a good idea? Still better than the, the new one, if you ask me, but... There we have it. For there sure. we have it. <laughs> so on the Star Trek front, I don't know, any adventures into the final frontier these days for you? You know, uh, Prodigy just came out. Oh, but okay. I have not seen the first episode yet. We've been crazy busy over here with 
Halloween yeah. and family stuff. So we have not seen that first episode <laughs> yet. I gotta say, I have I have low expectations based on that uh, that trailer. It doesn't. Um... I don't know. But I know, like you said, your son is definitely the targeted audience for this, it seems. Yeah, I hope so. so. We'll see what he thinks. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, as long as it beats Paw Patrol, I mean, that would oh. be that would be delightful. Although I have to say, it feels like, at least in our household, we've kind of moved past Paw Patrol into, uh, I don't know. Umi Zumi or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. We just keep watching Mary Poppins over and over. <laughs> there you go. Which like our kids can't get into it. I don't know what it is. They just they it has to be animated or it's nothing. I don't know. I don't understand. Well, yeah, my son, he doesn't like any any media that has a villain in it. If it has a villain in it, okay. he can't handle it. Okay. So, there has to be situations where the people like work together to oh. solve a common problem huh like mary poppins or um i guess aren't the there Winnie the Pooh movies yeah aren't there multiple villains because isn't like mr banks is kind of like the villain for most of it and uh, sort of the boss is the villain want to get into this i don't know i guess we're supposed <laughs> to be talking about star trek this isn't a mary we'll do the the poppinsology will be a different uh a different one but oh man we could go on for that one yeah yeah let's see because we're again still marching our way through uh the final season of ds9 which i'm kind of wanting to savor and not wanting to rush through plus squid game happened so now i can't think of anything else so that's you know that's happening too but it was nice i did get to catch up on my um memory alpha catching up on all the 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 factoids and stuff like that of the episodes that we've watched recently and it was really interesting reading some of the comments about uh take me out to the hollow suite which we talked about uh i think on our last episode the the really cheesy baseball one and i thought it was real the the thing that i thought was the most interesting is they said that the best player of all of the actors was max grodenchik uh rom was actually a semi-professional baseball player who debated going pro when he got his break in acting and he said that it was so hard for him to be bad that they ended up having him bat left-handed because he's a righty. And that was the only way that he could look lost enough. And <laughs> and even some of that, like there's that one where, what is it, Rom swings and misses and does like a double flip or something. <laughs> it was like, wow, that was pretty impressive. Like to do that, it's almost like you got to be good to be bad, believably. If you actually are bad, it does feel like it's harder to pretend to be bad, I suppose. Okie doke. Well, let's dive in because I know we've got a lot to talk about because we are talking again about Star Trek and time travel. For me, it was really interesting looking into how many episodes Star Trek has talked about time travel it's really something that they go back to yeah and again right in the original series one of the reasons for time travel was that it was cheap 
<laughs> it was if mm. you time travel back to the 60s they're like shoo like no more like effects like, i mean i guess they still have effects <laughs> but we don't need to worry about costumes we can just borrow the ones from like you know next door or whatever and the sets we we can just use actual buildings as opposed to having to dress it all up but then later it really felt like they avoided that cuz i think it, it did seem like that would date them and kind of lock them into you know a time frame or even i know one of my favorite time travel episodes we'll talk about in a sec past tense where they travel back i think to the year 2025 isn't it it's around there 2024 so we got three more years to get to the bell riots i suppose but i mean they tried to do it you know and this is you know 90 what 96 they filmed that so they tried to make it as authentic as possible and it was like "Mm, all right like it's not that futuristic other than people still wear jumpsuits i don't know why the future always has jumpsuits but (laughs) yeah but i think what we wanted to talk about today is one the different ways that star trek has approached time travel and how successfully they have done that so we're kind of going around there was this article that uh we both read that was on ars technica i think is the name of the website arstechnica.com that had the quest for a unifying theory of time travel in star trek it's ours technica ours technica okay there we go all right yeah so they kind of broke it down into essentially three different categories of time travel so i thought we could start there and the three categories that they have was one time travel with a consistent universe as in this was always supposed to happen Two, the ever-changing timeline, as in the actions in the past change the future. And three would be what they called a hybrid, which I guess is everything in between. But most commonly, that would be time loops. Or as they refer to that in Deep Space Nine, they call them predestination paradoxes. Something changes and then changes back or, or yeah, or, or loops. <laughs> so, Greg, what, what has been your, I mean, like you said, that, that it feels like time travel is something that Star Trek did surprisingly a lot of. How do you feel they handled time travel? I've said before on the podcast that I'm just not a fan of time travel in fiction. I feel like it creates more problems than it solves. Mm. Although I will say that I think Star Trek has been one of the more responsible users of the motif. Is that a low bar? That feels like a low bar. (laughs) It's definitely a low bar. Unless the working question is about time travel. Mm. When you introduce time travel, you have all these, these issues. Like if you look at like Harry Potter. Right. J.K. Rowling put in that time travel exists in the wizard world. But in the last book, nobody's going to go back. Nobody's going back to save, like, the other Weasley twin. Like, they just don't care mm, enough to use the time turner point. on that. Right. You know, it causes a lot of problems. Yeah. So I think in Star Trek, for the most part, the way that they have the temporal rules set up and i mean the rules that that come from the future you mm-hmm, know during mm-hmm. the temporal accords 
solve that problem as long as people are following them right by saying basically don't go back in the past and change stuff yeah and it seems like for the most part people are following that otherwise you would have i mean it, it would be impossible to live in the past because things would constantly be changing right right but, maybe to kind of frame this as well by things that people are, are maybe more familiar with is that at least for me, when I think of time travel, kind of the three main fiction sources, because like, again, Harry Potter, I definitely remember that, although I don't know that I would say that's a major plot point, because like you said, they don't utilize it often, uh, even though they utilize it a lot in that one book. But I always think of Back to the Future, uh, Doctor Who, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And it's interesting that each one of the three of those, like, eh, are they consistent? I'm not exactly sure. But it is, like you said, they, they definitely have definitive rules about the way they believe time travel works. Where, like with um, Back to the Future, they, you know, in the first one, he travels back in time, alters something, and then that actually affects him in like the current time so that because he is from the future, he is being altered by the events that are currently taking place because he is in the past. However, he then permanently changes something, goes back to the quote unquote present and everything has changed except for himself. So, uh, not all that consistent, but at least that, I feel like that's probably in that second category of the ever-changing timeline. Right. I would agree with that. Even though the things that he does is supposed to kind of bring things back to the way that they're supposed right. to, he does end up in a slightly altered timeline. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a, a video that I saw on YouTube kind of explaining different concepts of time travel and yeah and that's exactly what how they painted the picture is that by going back the moment that he arrived back in time he essentially created an alternate reality because he changed stuff just by his presence but then because of his actions he rerouted that timeline to something close to the original timeline but not exactly exactly the same. now the other one which and i don't know if you've seen this one or if people listening have seen one of my favorite shows of all time is called farscape and they deal with time travel at one point that time is more elastic than rigid and that if you can just get close enough, time has a way of just kind of bending back into shape as opposed to being like, whoop, like, you know, the whole butterfly effect. Like this one teeny thing is different, therefore everything is different. So they had a, a different kind of a spin on that. Yeah, I like that spin a lot. That idea that it's more elastic, I think that makes a lot of sense. Right, and it definitely makes it a lot easier to tell a story that way too. In kind of contrast... Uh, or I think maybe to explain if that's that second category of the ever-changing timeline, then the first category that things were always supposed to happen, I would say is more Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes, they never really explain what actually happens when they kidnap Napoleon and they make him be in a you know 
book report or whatever. And then they kidnap the babes and all of that sort of stuff. But it's more what always fascinated me is that they would get into a situation and then they would say like, okay, remember, drop a bucket on their head and then boom, a bucket would drop. Because they would eventually go through time and they would do that. So it was basically that there is no altering time. Time has always existed just as it is now, including your time travel. And and that's that's another really interesting, really tough to maintain that from a writing perspective. But yeah, another interesting view of time, I think. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you get into that problem with maintaining that consi- consistency that that's um, that's reflected even when you have, for example, a franchise like Next Generation mm. and then you go back and you write a series like Discovery. Right. And you, you're supposed to keep things, yep. dis- you know. Whatever you do in Discovery can't have too mm-hmm. far of reaching effects where it changes something in the next generation or something in the next exactly. generation suddenly doesn't make sense anymore right. because of what you did in Discovery. Yep. So you're constrained by that. And if you're writing time travel like that, you also have to be constrained by mm-hmm. those same those same things. But sometimes that can mean really interesting fiction. Yeah. But most of the time, it's just kind of, you know, people don't <laughs> pay enough attention to those right. things. I mean, even more so with Enterprise, where Enterprise, all of it was going to be affected by, you know, whatever. I mean, even that thing that they did in the third season with the Zindi attacking Earth and, you know, killing oh, seven million people is kind of that thing of like, wouldn't that, like, stand out? Wouldn't people remember that by the time you get to, you know, original series, Next Generation? That seems like kind of a like Big generation deal, right? yeah defining moment yeah. but they you know I, and and i mean that we never hear from the zindi again it's kind of like shouldn't yeah. we see them at some point in you know the future because that you you have to go to that same that same idea of like we shall never speak of this again and that's why <laughs> right. you never hear it you know? Right. So, and then the third one that I mentioned that I think doesn't necessarily fit into this, but it's Doctor Who, which those of you that watch Doctor Who, like that's definitively about time travel. Every other episode is about traveling into the past somewhere. But what's interesting about Doctor Who, and they establish that he is a time lord, which I'm not exactly sure what that means, but it's that there are certain unchangeable moments in history that you just you cannot change. And and I think at one point they do and it breaks the universe or something like that. And so it's somewhat it's it's almost like that what if episode uh where Doctor Strange tries to change the past with creating the paradox that uh if if that would have changed he would have never become Doctor Strange. And so by changing that event he ends up breaking the universe. Okay, so what I thought uh, we could do now is what if we go through kind of some examples of each one of these as we're talking about these different things so that we can talk about, again, did we do this well? Did it do it poorly? Uh, Did you enjoy it? Uh, Yeah, what came out of it for you? So starting with Consistent Universe, I came up, I, I tried to find one episode from each 
show, but I didn't do Discovery uh, and Picard. Well, Picard hasn't really done time travel. I don't think Discovery has yet, right? They've done Mirror Universe, but have they done time travel? They've gone into the future, but that's a that's a different thing. Yeah, yeah, the future would be more confusing, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, 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 no. that that will fit into our <laughs> into our hybrid or something like that. But so the um, the five episodes uh, that first came to mind was first in the original series. Tomorrow is yesterday, which is the one where they travel uh, back in time and they end up meeting up, or, or uh, like a pilot ends up spotting them, so they need to take him on board the Enterprise, and then what do we do with this guy now that he's seen all the future stuff and stuff like that? Time's Arrow from the Next Generation, where da- they find Data's head that's been buried, so they have to go back and they meet Mark Twain and all of that. Little Green Men from Deep Space Nine, where Quark and the the gang go back to Roswell, and they end up being the Little Green Men found in Roswell. Parallax on Voyager, which is like the second episode where uh, Paris and Janeway get transported into the past of a planet right before it's about to be destroyed. And then Carbon Creek with Enterprise, which is the one that, which is not actually a time travel story per se, but it's T'Pol telling the story of how her Vulcan ancestors lived on Earth for. Uh, years and years and years. And then I had to throw in, I know I said one for each, but I had to throw in Trials and Tribulations from DS9 just because I think it fits into this category and it's one of my favorite episodes where they travel back in time and end up in essentially in the episode of um, Trouble with Tribbles. But all right. of these... All of these episodes, I think, reflect a consistent universe. Like the things... They never, even when they travel to the past, they never change anything. And I feel like the understanding is that's because these things were always supposed to happen. Like nothing is changed by by any of their activities because, yeah, their activities were always going to happen. Does that, do you, do you feel like all of these fit in there? You know, I disagree with including Carbon Creek in there, but I can't think of another Enterprise episode that has to do with the consistent universe paradigm. Okay. Because Carbon Creek, you know, T'Pol is telling this story. At the end of it, it's unclear whether it's even real or not. That's a good point. Yeah. But it is a, I mean, it's a, it's a good episode. Right. I enjoyed the episode. Yeah. And I mean, you're right. It's not really about time travel. I guess it feels like it's about time travel, but it's more the fact that it's like, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it is consistent in the fact that it's like this was a part of our history as opposed to altering part of our history. Uh, right. Or even, that makes sense. And even her retelling this part that, you know, uh, Archer and Trip had no idea happened. Their living there, yeah, still resulted in the 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 future being well, not necessarily the future being unchanged, but the future always included this happening. It was just they didn't know about it before. So I don't know, and that's the other part too, is that Enterprise then didn't do a whole lot of the consistent universe thing because the of the whole temporal cold war. It was all about right. altering the past. And I don't know that they ever other than the weird thing is one could say everything on Enterprise has to be consistent universe because 
we know what comes later. That's set. Like nothing that they did on Enterprise was going to change the voyages of Kirk and Picard and Cisco and on and on because that's it true. was already done. That's true. That's one way of looking at it. Yeah. I mean that but that's the problem with with introducing tra- time travel into the into the idea at all. If you if you take it that way, everything in all these episodes have to be consistent with whatever show was filmed before this one was. Right. You know? Or at least debuted after. Or not debuted. Right. Uh, was set. So basically, well, Picard at this point, right? Isn't Picard the most future, the furthest in the future? You know, there's a, in Discovery, there's these scenes where that happen in the year like 38. Oh, okay. 3,800, you know, so they are way far in the ah. future. But Picard is, Picard is, um, yeah. Picard is the show that takes place the show itself in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, okay. So then, yeah, so everything, in, in theory, yeah, can't alter. Although, interesting, also unique, I think, for Star Trek is the whole Kelvin timeline. Is that, because that's what Kelvin did through time tra- travel is that first Star Trek J.J. Abrams movie changed the entire timeline and basically like broke the whole thing. Is it so Kirk never happened, or at least you know the 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 original series never happened, and Picard would never happen, and all of that stuff would never happen, and right. then it was dismissed as an alternate reality, and then was just like, all right, we can just kind of move along, which is somewhat of a cop-out, not one that I don't mind. However, we've already done that with all of this mirror universe stuff. Like, we've already acknowledged that there are alternate realities, alternate universes. So to make Kelvin an alternate universe, yeah, I think it's fine, other than the question of, is that where Spock went to die? Uh Uh-huh. That's a really interesting question about the Kelvin universe. So my other question, as we're uh, talking about these episodes from the consistent universe theory times arrow it seems like those two episodes are rather divisive that some people love them and some people can't stand them which 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 camp are you in greg i am a light don't like them (laughs) so you're a third camp i wouldn't say (laughs) I would say that I'm more on the don't like them side, but I can see why people like those episodes. They are, Mm. if nothing else, they're charming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is interesting. They did say that they never liked doing cliffhangers. That was, was, at some point, they decided that was not a Star Trek thing. Because really, there's only maybe two cliffhangers in Star Trek. And this one, I mean, I guess this might be a third one where, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it wasn't like a dun-dun-dun like it was in Best of Both Worlds, mm-hmm. but it definitely was a, you know, they're jumping into this portal and they don't know what's going to happen. And for me, I feel like I did love what's-his-name as Samuel Clemens. He was delightful. Adding Guinan into the mix was a very interesting dynamic i thought Mm -hmm. putting star trek characters in like non-star trek familiar settings 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's almost for the like casual fan, maybe more so. Like that <laughs> that really appeals to people. Like again, like Star Trek Four. People love Star Trek Four, but as a Star Trek fan, I'm kind of like it's kind of Star Trek light, to be honest with you. Like it doesn't. Uh, they 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 kind of. <laughs> You know, it's it's Star much so good. It is, but it's much more about it's much more for the laugh. That's that's yeah, that's is. what its its point is, and the the threat. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I guess we don't really think about how ridiculous this premise is. They're looking for whales, and they're going to destroy us all <laughs> until they find them. Let's go back in time and find some whales. It's like what? <laughs> Who wrote this one? Oh, mercy. So, yeah, that... Uh, uh, for me, the one that makes it so tough is when they showed the aliens, like, sucking up the souls into their foreheads. I was like, what am I looking at? Like, that was one of those, like, <laughs> no, no, that's just too goofy looking. And that's the tough thing about, I think, a lot of these. And maybe that's one of the limitations of Consistent Universe is the stakes are not terribly high. Uh, right. because like, I thought little green men, as much as I love my DS nine, I thought it was kind of similar where it was just, it was kind of dumb. <laughs> if I'm honest, <laughs> it was fun and you get to see Quark and, and, uh, you know, Rom picking on, I don't know, 1950s humans and all, but mm -hmm. it, it, yeah, again. And I mean, honestly, as much as I love trials and tribulations and for me, I can kind of forgive the, the low stakes, but it did feel like the stakes could not have been lower. And it was just, but they were having a blast. You know, you could tell, and, you know, what was it? Uh, Dax had a crush on, she had a crush on everybody. She had a crush on McCoy. <laughs> she had a crush on Spock. Uh, Cisco got to talk to Kirk. You know, like it was fun, mm -hmm. but it wasn't very, you know, again. You know, those effects were. The, where they transpose the DS9 characters into the yeah the original series, I, that still stands up for oh, me. So awesome. I love that. Oh yeah, it is great. It's one of the best examples in modern media that I could think of sure. where they did that kind of thing. Yep, it, especially it fantastic. Yeah, now when you're doing this deep fake stuff and it just doesn't, you're looking at Luke's face in Mandalorian and you're like, what? He's kind of human, but kind of not. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, uh, category two is the ever-changing timeline. That actions that you do in the past can actually change the future. Now, I couldn't think of a next-gen episode where they did this. Or at least where we saw this on display. Although one, which we'll get into in some of the hybrids, are somewhat similar. Yesterday's Enterprise. Tapestry is an interesting one because technically he does change the future or he is entered into an alternate timeline. Um, but mm -hmm. we'll talk about that in a sec. Because for me then, the uh, original series, of course, City on the Edge of Forever. Uh you know, of great, course. greatest episode of all time. McCoy goes back and changes everything except for the Enterprise people that are standing right there by the Guardian. So they have to go back and um, change things. It's almost a 
that's not a predestination paradox because it does change stuff, but then by by double changing it, by not removing the change, but by making an additional change so that Edith dies in a different (laughs) way. Well, or maybe, I guess she was always supposed to die crossing the street, but she wasn't supposed to be crossing the street to go on a date, I guess. I don't know, but anyway, so that there's there's that past tense. I think I mentioned this a, a little bit before about uh, the DS Nine episode where they travel to the past. Same thing when they travel to the past and Gabriel Bell gets killed. The future is affected because we get to see the future. Although again, for some reason, a warp eddy or time bubble or something means the Defiant is not affected, even though everybody else is. So, and then there's even, what is it? It doesn't, the earth get destroyed at some point? I don't know. There's all sorts of craziness that happens. Well, one that I couldn't quite, rem- I still can't quite remember this episode of Enterprise, Twilight. So what, you, you you remember this episode? Yeah. So this is the one where Archer gets the parasite in his, in his head and they're, they're trying to figure out how to how to cure him because it's kind of he, he can't form any new memories and flocks figures out that this is this parasite is a temporal parasite it exists outside of the normal time stream which i thought honestly when i saw this episode i thought that was that was a really cool that's crazy yeah by this, by this point we've seen a lot of in enterprise we've seen Parasites. a lot of beings that that no a lot of beings that <laughs> you know like humanoids that don't live in the normal time stream hmm. so it kind of makes sense that there'd be little bugs or sure. whatever that don't either you know yeah. imagine if like you had like ants that didn't live in the time stream and oh. you had to kill them like in the future so right. that they wouldn't eat your cake in the past (laughs) (laughs) good but it's the same thing so flox figures out that there it's a temporal parasite that he's able to kill them in the future and uh save archer which I, i i thought was a pretty inventive episode yeah yeah and then of course with enterprise the temporal cold war in general highlighted by Stormfront where alien Nazis right there's alien Nazis that they travel back in time to fight or whatever it's a terrible episode yeah it's kind of weird let's get into temporal cold war in just a sec because that's going to take plenty of time because then the other one that that is one of my favorite is year of hell part one and two uh, and that's where Kurtwood Smith, whatever his character's name is, is crazy alien captain with a time temporal ship thing that can like rewrite history by removing things from the timeline. And as he does it, he is reshaping reality. Now he's doing it kind of backwards by going essentially piercing into the past to change it so that the present is changed. Um, but again, reflective of the ever-changing timeline that things from the past do actually change the future. This one always seems really messy to me, and more often than not, like in past tense, like in City on the Edge of Forever, it feels like things are changed and then changed back. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, yeah. guess, I don't know how else you do that, though, right? Yeah, that's the only way to... To, to tell those kind of stories, that- right? Right. Otherwise, you're just changing everything. (laughs) Right. 
in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be another interesting way to tell a story, though. But What do you mean? Like, let's say you, you wrote a story that had time travel in it, but you, you kept the time travel as like a surprise later on. I've I've thought about this before, hmm. but like you you write this whole narrative and then surprise time travel it goes back and back in time and like erases the first part of the story. Hmm. Okay. Well, is that kind of um, how? Because uh, did you see that movie Looper with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, and um, Bruce Willis? I feel like that's kind of because he's a time traveling. No. He doesn't travel through time. Wait. Well, no, he does eventually. Yeah, like assassin. They would travel people back in time to him, and then he would shoot them or whatever. So it's basically Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the younger version of Bruce Willis. And at some point, old character, Bruce Willis, does something to get on young character, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's hit list. So he has to travel to the future to assassinate future himself. And so it is somewhat similar. But then, yeah, I think then it's like, so then if they get into a fight and like he breaks his arm, now what does that mean for me in the future that I broke my arm back, you know, whatever. So it gets, I feel like that's a Christopher Nolan-y type thing. Yeah. Well, and that was that thing too about, um, that everyone I thought was thought was so uh, interesting about Tenet is that Tenet was about time travel, but it was basically you could just reverse the flow. So you could travel forwards or you could travel backwards. And so as he was traveling, he would still be, you know, thinking in the same direction, but everyone else around him appeared to be moving, you know, and he appeared to be moving backwards. So yeah, that was definitely (laughs) difficult to follow along with. Okay, so last but not least, because then we got to spend some time again with some of these other non don't fit into categories things but the other one is what they called hybrids which mostly involves time loops and i feel like star trek loves their time loops and because <laughs> i came up with what i came up with seven episodes with time loops and i know there are plenty more still i still insist as as great as some of these episodes are it's really hard to like Groundhog Day just does this. It's it's the epitome of the time loop, I think. Right. That nothing he does affects anything in the next time loop. Let's just dive in. So Next Gen, again, they're the, the biggest culprit, <laughs> I would say, of time loops. Because the four that I thought of is one, of course, Yesterday's Enterprise. Uh, and Yesterday's mm-hmm. Enterprise, not necessarily a time loop, per se, but this idea that, I mean, I guess you could fit this. That's why I think it's maybe better put as a hybrid because it's both the changing universe when the Enterprise C comes forward in time, time changes, but then when they go back, time resets to the way it was always supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And that's the weird part is that so then Tasha... Tasha is the time loop, right? She's the inconsistency because she was never supposed to exist or she existed twice, right? Because Mm -hmm. technically when she went back in time, oh, maybe she wasn't even born yet. I don't know. And then she had a daughter who was like her same age, like all kinds of inconsistencies with that. But yeah, again, probably more of a hybrid than a time loop. 
Uh, same thing with Tapestry. I always love this one. This is the because what was this sixth season? I think late one of the later seasons where Q mm-hmm. allows Picard to go back and change his past, kind of like a. Well, no, I guess he doesn't change his past in It's a Wonderful Life, but it's a similar sort of a thing. I wish I was never right. born. I wish I would have never done this. He gets his wish, and then he finds out that he's now in an alternate timeline where Captain Picard is instead Ensign Picard, who never takes any risks and blah, blah, blah. So then he's able to travel back in time? Is this all a dream? Like, we don't really know. Then there's Time Squared. And to be honest, this one never really stood out to me other than having the two Picards. Was there anything... Like, I'm even having difficulty... This is the one where didn't Picard fly a shuttle into an anomaly or something? Right. Yeah. I, the Enterprise gets destroyed. Picard like yes. leaves just in time. Yes. He flies back in time through a temporal anomaly, you know, which are always handily close by. Right. Flies in um, and lands on the past Enterprise and it just it sets up a loop. Right. You know. Now we've got two Picards. Right. And then the conflict in, is that everything the our Picard is doing, it isn't going to change the fact that the huh. Enterprise is going to get destroyed because this has all happened before. Right. Right. And that's what leads where, where I think they did it much better is one of my favorite episodes, Cause and Effect, which is the right. one yeah. where they get into a they run into an anomaly and then the ship comes out they collide explode and they get thrown back through time and do the same day mm-hmm. over and over and over again literally time loop the much much closer to groundhog day but yeah even and that was even that thing too of the whole like sending a message through time through data's brain or whatever which I don't know. I guess it made sense at the time. It was a very peculiar rationale, I guess. And not only <laughs> the message, because what is it? The message he sends is like the number four, I think. No, it was three, right? Because it was the Something number of, like that. The number of pips on Riker's jersey lapel. or lapel, yeah. which is just like that. Seemed <laughs> I don't know. Couldn't you have sent an R? I, I would have way easy if you could only do one digit i don't know but whatever data knows what he's doing i suppose so then ds9 has one which again this is uh not a time loop but more of a hybrid it was called children of time where the defiant comes across this planet that has all of these humans and trill and stuff living on there they go down there and find out that these are actually their like descendants that when they take off, they are going to crash and get thrown back in time and then live there for the rest of you know their lives. And these are their offspring. But then Odo changes things so that they actually don't. And then they all cease to exist. But the whole time they're wrestling with this whole, do I, yeah, do we do this so these people exist or do we not? And then these people will never exist. And then that's kind of that predestination paradox sort of a thing yeah is that is that killing people if, right like if they've never what existed. you do causes them to not exist right right well and that and that was my my struggle which is intentionally so right with that the the moral quandary of that episode is that one thinking about like 
you know, Molly and Keiko. Like, they would be losing their dad. They would never see their dad again. And that's a big deal. Alexander, mm-hmm. which I guess maybe Alexander wouldn't care that he never sees Worf again. But that's another one. Um, same thing with, like, Kira. Kira was going to die in this scenario. So it's like, is that okay? Mm-hmm. Like, th- yeah, there was just a lot of... a lot. Uh, 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 it was challenging because it was the same thing, too. Like, seeing... I can literally see all of these people and they're living their lives and, like... Yeah, yeah, that's it's it was tough. I thought it was a pretty good episode. Original series had one, which was, I guess, the predestination paradox was more, or at least it was le- again less of a time loop and more of almost like the timekeepers in Loki, where Assignment Earth in the original series had Gary Seven, who was sent to like make sure that earth did what it was supposed to do and that historical events went the way they were supposed to go uh which was a very interesting again almost like kang the conqueror saying like well we don't want this going like we want to trim the timeline to get the timeline we want and then the interesting one we kind of joked about star trek 4 but the one that i thought was really i'd never thought about it this this before is i always assumed when kirk sold his spectacles to the the antique dealer um i always assumed that was just a throwaway line where he says um like these will be like wasn't this a present from dr mccoy and they will be again that's the beauty of it and then he just moves on and i just thought that was a joke but somebody brought up i think in this article that uh what he could be referring to is that these spectacles will be sold to this guy, eventually make their way to Dr. McCoy, and he will then give these same spectacles to me as a present again, creating this time loop that these things were never created. They just spin and spin and spin and spin. Or there's a second pair that where do they go? And does that mean then there's a second pair and then this happens again? There's a third pair. There's a fourth. Is there an infinite number of pairs of these spectacles? I don't know. I don't know. I never thought about it that way. But And also, if he's giving, if there is only one pair of these spectacles, those spectacles have to be infinitely old, right? Because they just keep right. looping back in time. Yeah, they would be, right? Yeah. Honestly, I think this is where Star Trek does it best hmm. because a lot of these are so self-contained yeah, by, yeah. Their, by their very nature. Right. Since they're loops. They're they're so self-contained that it doesn't affect much more than the ship, right? Really, um, I think Assignment Earth is the only the only exception to that rule. Yeah, and and I guess Children of Time affecting the planet, but still it, localized. It doesn't, right, it's still localized. It's not like the temporal time war, which has right. galactic implications, right? So this is where this is where Star Trek does time travel the best yeah and that's where i've i felt like and we'll we'll talk about in oh actually that's our last one of the year we're going to talk about high concept which i do think is one of the most interesting things to me about star trek is that they've told stories like this for decades and and yet you know again you see these movies come out like Palm Springs, like Groundhog Day, and you're like, "Whoa, where did you come up with this theory?" And I'm like, "Come on, guys! Like, Star <laughs> Trek has been doing time loops for since the '60s. Come on." <laughs> Speaking of the spectacles that you were talking about and the infinite 
possibility of them being infinitely old made me think about kind of like a third category, or I guess a fourth category that I would throw in, which is not necessarily time travel, but it's more about alternate timelines or new universes. Because mm-hmm. one, which is very similar to what the, the spectacles thing, is the, this episode of DS9 called Visionary, where Chief O'Brien starts like skipping backward in time. He obviously changes because he's going backwards in time so he can then change things and change things and, and, and whatever. The interesting thing about that is that in the final scene, he, he jumps and then there's the other Chief O'Brien is there. And the Chief O'Brien whose timeline this is is like overdosed with radiation so he can't make the jump so he sends the future version back so they discover at the time i don't know if i'm explaining that right but they discover that chief o'brien is like 15 minutes older than he's supposed to be so technically the chief o'brien from that point on could technically be seen as an alternate reality or an alternate timeline version of chief o'brien now, it was only 15 minutes altered, but right. that's a really, like, did he not only travel through time, but is it... For me, I always picture that YouTube video we were talking about. It describes time travel with a, a, a kind of like the multiverse in Marvel, where it's like one line that then splits and then splits again and then splits so it turns into like a tree, whatever sort of a thing. And the time travel is traveling back to like a, a, a set point. And that that's what creates the spinoff is that then a different choice happens. Uh, and so from that perspective, someone from a different branch jumped back to the original branch. But then does that mean mm-hmm. his very existence in the alternate branch or in the original branch makes it an alternate branch? I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the multiverse question too, I guess. Which then... Multiverse wise, now this is one, and I, as the T, as our next generation expert here, Greg, I got to re- rely on you. The D, the next gen episode parallels with Worf and Troy. This one was just too weird for me. Like I just didn't the whole that whole season of start of next gen. I was like, where are we going? Like I don't know. What what did this one do for you? I think this one confused a lot of people. <laughs> okay, I feel better. It's an odd episode. I think at the end, if I remember correctly, he's in the shuttle and there's like a bunch of warps. He does his, right, you know, right. um, does the warp, he in, inverts the warp field or whatever. Sure. And there's a, there's all the warps that show up and then he finally lands. And, uh, you know, the, the whole thing is, is that there's a surprise party right. every time. And it's a one-off okay episode you know <laughs> and it's nice it's neat to see Worf, you know in different situations i actually heard that tasha yar was actually supposed to make a, a guest appearance in one of the alternate universes oh. or in the alternate you know timeline okay as well interesting which would have been cool yeah yeah we talked about Kelvin already, but then the other one, which, again, anything with Q, I, I really wonder if these are, I don't know, universes, timelines, or something like that, but really interesting with the final episode of Next Generation, All Good Things, where 
it certainly doesn't seem like Q is, or he he insists that he's not creating the situation. He's just the one that's transporting him through time, but that Picard's actions in right. each one of the timelines is what is creating the problem in the first place. Yeah, I don't know. It was very loopy in its thinking, I thought, where it was kind of like, well, if he wouldn't have been ever traveling through time, <laughs> he wouldn't think there was a problem. And so he wouldn't have done this in the first place. And so I don't know if this is a, I mean, I, I don't know if this is quite a new <laughs> timeline or a universe. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's a different future than we ended up seeing. Yeah, it's just seeing the alternate. Yeah. Which is always confusing to me. Yeah. I mean, well, especially now with um, with Picard. Right. You know, being everything being so different. Right. Well, and then even that he went into the past and then he changed the the first the first like the at Farpoint he changed what happened and that didn't change the future mm-hmm. i don't know that was kind of weird yeah so i mean as a as a last episode it, it it wraps up i think it wraps up things nicely sure but uh, as far as the time travel goes is it time travel i mean it's time travel but it, it's all q related Right. You know, the, there's right. no telling how how things are really affected. You know, this isn't like a, a temporal anomaly. This isn't an inverted warp field. You know, it's... Right. A Q is just like taking him around to different points and allowing him to make different choices. Yeah, seeing what he'll do or whatever. Right. In In my mind, I never really interpret it as, as he's traveling through time. But instead, with Q, Q is just like messing with him. Right, <laughs> right. Which again, it's like we said with tapestry. Like, did he really travel through time, or was that all just a, yeah, an image that Q put in front of him or something like that? Um, right. Well, and then because the other one, which again is not time travel related, is the other alternate universe is the mirror universe, which you know I think we talked about in previous episodes that. You know, love it or hate it, they've either done too much of it or are going to do more. Probably both. Yeah, that's that's a, our most common alternate reality that we that we see, and and it is interesting because I think the change in that alternate reality was that the the humans lost the Romulan War and were enslaved mm-hmm. and then overthrew the Romulans to become the empire. Then the empire got overthrown because so, but after that first change, then the incursions of Spock and then the later incursions of Cisco and like kept altering that timeline. So it got more and more different than, um, yeah, than our current timeline. But again, that's mm-hmm. alternate realities as opposed to, time travel so the last thing because i feel like we've put it off and this was your i know your big um bugaboo going in is a little bit about the temporal cold war because it sounds like i don't know but from the articles that i've seen it looks like season three of discovery may have to do uh with the temporal cold war greg are you able to explain the temporal cold war to anyone who doesn't know so the temporal cold war 
takes place mostly in in enterprise right where we have this we have the Sulaban who are agents during Archer's time are agents of a mysterious faction that is working to change the past in order to to destroy the federation and you know destroy all that's that's good in the world you know <laughs> um it, it's a very good example of how things quickly start to disintegrate when you start bringing time travel into it <laughs> because you have this this agent daniels who is from the future i forget what what century he's from but he's you know maybe 500 years in the future he's aboard enterprise helping archer try to figure all this out but he's never there during other times when he could have used him you know only during the the temporal cold war episodes does Mm, he appear right plenty of other times when archer could have used a little bit of help you know (laughs) knowing what's going to happen in the future there's all these different factions everything's mysterious and at the end of everything in the two-part episode stormfront where everything is the big climax everything's supposed to be wrapped up where daniel says okay you've fixed the timeline you know we can go back to everybody just going normally through through time you never even figure out who the mysterious person behind the Sulaban right. was the whole time. Right. And there's there's all these rumors and theories. That the big theory is that it was actually Archer that in season five it was going to be revealed that Archer was actually the mysterious figure, a future Archer who is no longer as uh, idealistic as uh, <laughs> current Archer, or maybe that current Archer does something terrible and future Archer has to go back and like fix that. And he's using the Solobon to fix that, which just goes to show Enterprise ended probably a season too late <laughs> as it is. <laughs> yes. They really should not have gone into <laughs> to season five thank god they didn't go into season five right but yeah it just got so convoluted and so mysterious in the way that lost was mysterious in the later seasons (laughs) where you kind of knew that they were they had created a a situation that they really didn't know how to write themselves out of. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's an example of time travel gone wrong hmm. in the Star Trek universe. I would agree that I don't, I did not find the temporal Cold War as intriguing as I think they wanted us to. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see why, if Discovery is going back to that, why and what, what that's gonna, yeah, what that's gonna look like. You know, honestly, I don't remember seeing the temporal Cold War talked about in Discovery. There is a scene where time travel was mentioned, but that it, um, the technology to do it was outlawed at some point because of the huh. because of Archer's adventures in time. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just a brief mention, but I might be wrong about that. Because what is it? Isn't it Assignment Earth? I think it is that they're 
they're actually there to like research something or they had figured out this whole slingshot around the sun thing. So they're like, all right, here we go. Let's travel through time so that we can figure out something about history or something like that. And then again, they dig <laughs> back into that with uh, Star Trek four. So it does, it does that interesting thing that it does feel like by Kirk's time, they had figured out how to travel through time. So then the question is why, why, yeah, why aren't they? And right. having these temporal police and then later on the, the yeah, temporal accords and all of that um, kind of makes sense. I, I don't feel like they, I mean, I don't know that somewhat they just kind of like, oh, uh, we, got, we got rules. Uh, somebody made up some rules at some point. Oh, okay. Right. Um, but yeah, again, yeah, they kind of need to, they need to have that. If you're going to limit, limit that, well, the, uh, limit that, um, exposure i guess because yeah and that's the challenge of the temporal cold war is it's kind of like reality has no meaning if you're you know just going back and like picking and choosing and like ah let's change this let's kill that guy let's you know get rid of this or whatever Um, yeah because once you introduce time travel it just takes one person at any point after time travel has been invented to change right you know, if there's a if there's an organization that's limiting time travel, it just takes one person to go back and make the right changes mm-hmm. and can try as as many times as they want to get rid of that council in the future. Right. You know, so right, yeah. That I mean, that's one of the many problems with time travel. Yeah, yeah. But I think, and I mean, that's the challenge too. Is that I think that it is a it's it's definitely intriguing, and if you're going to do a science fiction show, especially one that's been on for what do we say, 600 hours, you you got to mm-hmm. give them some time travel. Like people, yeah, it's it's I don't know. There's there's something fascinating, and I, I do wonder. We didn't really get into it, and I don't I don't. Uh, we're kind of at the end here to really get into the psychology of what it is about time travel that so fascinates us, uh, and for mm-hmm. me, like just. Off the top of my head, I kind of wonder if it's if it's like, uh, oh man, if I could have just not done that one thing, then I wonder if if that that feeling of changing the past is what, um, yeah, what we find so intriguing about that. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, there. I'm sure there is plenty more that we could talk about with time travel. The th- the nice thing is is that it it happens in Star Trek so frequently that I'm sure it will come up in many other episodes that we do. But before that happens, I'm really looking forward. I, I I enjoyed this episode as well, but I'm really looking forward to our next episode because we are going to dive in to money and Star Trek, talking about the way that Star Trek deals with money or doesn't deal with money and all that that entails. Uh, there's a really fascinating article that uh, we'll be able to dive into as well. So be sure and join us for that. Uh, like, share, and subscribe, and that whole thing so that uh, not only we can continue doing this thing for y'all, but hey, get some more people in on this conversation. We are on Twitter. We have eight followers, so join us, won't you? <laughs> and it, then, um, yeah, I've been tweeting out some of my favorite quotes from Star Trek. So, you know, 
shoot us a shoot us a, a a comment or a tweet or something like that. Let us know what you think, or if you have any uh, yeah any thoughts for things that we could discuss. Or hey, if you're like you've got some great insights on religion and Star Trek, or race and Star Trek, or who the best captain is, and you really want to guest star on an episode. Come on along, man. We're on Skype. It's a really easy thing to have a guest star. We would love to have you. So anyway, with that said, my friends, again, thanks for being here. Can't wait to join you yet again. But for now, live long and prosper. Peace and long life.